By the way, Costa, we're all in we're all in pajamas and we're in a pillow fort. So, nice. you know, I want that in your emotion when you give this intro. <laughs> what kind that's, of that's your motivation? Put a pillow over your mouth. <laughs> you missed a lot while you were gone. Costa, I like your ninja turtle pajamas. <laughs> ninja turtle pajamas. Welcome everyone to another episode of Cafe Booleans. How's everyone going today? Great. Pretty good. good. How are you going? Mate. Good. Everyone's in their pajamas. In my cozy pillow fort. Yeah, you know it. We are impromptu. We Susie in a polka dots, Costa and Ninja Turtles. I'm in my Pikachu onesie. And Alex. Alex, where'd your pajamas go? Well, I don't own pajamas, so um <laughs> Oh dear God. It's, it's breezy in here. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, No, they're skin colored pajamas. Fortunately the video we can only see like top up. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe it's like the whole news anchor thing where who knows what he's wearing. No yeah, one knows what's happening below the camera. It's it's the COVID meeting. Work meeting thing. <laughs> oh, I was scrolling through our past episodes. We have a COVID warning on one of our episodes. Um, oh, not one of the cafe ones. Surprisingly, it was uh, it was an interview with Ashley Van Wingard. We have a COVID warning. Not a COVID warning, but you know how they're like basically saying this episode contains information about oh, COVID. Check the as facts. In Spot- of like Spotify yeah. and something tagged. Yeah. <laughs> I think because she was talking about working from home during COVID, oh, like what her right. teams are oh, doing. Man. Oof. So, COVID, 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 COVID. <laughs> yeah, let's see if we can get tagged. Trick the bot. <laughs> That's scary. So, it was scanning us. Is it true mm. that if you say COVID in the mirror three times, you get COVID? <laughs> it's only if you say it at midnight. No, it is true. How many of us wet. here have had it so far? Is that all of us? Yeah, we've all nah. had it, I think. No, I haven't had, had it. Alex. Alex. Wow. That's because Alex doesn't own a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you would assume so, given my hair and just general <laughs> outlook on life. No, I just, I'm sorry, Alex. That felt mean. I just while we're here live on camera, I just want to formally apologise to you. That was- and I formally do not accept your apology. John. Oh, okay. COVID, 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 COVID. <laughs> this episode contains now apologies. Now we've got some conflict. <laughs> <laughs> it's taking a dramatic turn. Maybe we should start Am the <laughs> episode. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll get into it. So we're talking today about serious games. So I thought this would be a good topic to cover just given like we've spoken about it before on cafe episodes. So we've, I'll we'll go through some games that are like serious games, but just wanted to kind of open it up to what is what is everyone kind of like what has everyone heard of serious games? And like, can pe- like I've got a definition here of of serious games. I was gonna but say, what does everyone what does everyone <laughs> think of? What does everyone think when they hear serious games? So uh, I think that oh, from the academic point of view, right? Like, there's there's a whole like people mix up serious games and gamification a lot. Like, and what it ooh. is, and a- academics like would love to talk about gamification, right? Which is like really kind of snoozeworthy now but I essentially like <laughs> I think the big difference is that like gamification is like when people take something like like a course or something and add game elements to it like oh let's add badges or levels or whatever but then a serious game is like a game that's designed where it's like its main design focus or its main goal is to educate about something or raise awareness of something like like my phd like social change element like anything like that that's like the main focus of the game i would call that a serious game mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what do you guys think the first thing that comes to mind when i hear about it is like when people have done simulators for like military training or like uh emergency training and stuff like that I remember hearing about when Unreal was first starting to get used to make like uh, fire escape training. I'm pretty sure it's like even for like your office, it's like how to get out of the office. <laughs> just just launch this Unreal game <laughs> and it will show you how to get out. Run. 
Yeah. <laughs> it just says I just run. Turn, like. I, I just open up the console and turn on no clipping and just float straight <laughs> through the wall. <laughs> um, to me, serious games is when uh, organizations don't realize how much work goes into a game and they're like, <laughs> yeah, just make us a game about uh, picking strawberries or something or like not getting electrocuted. <laughs> That's and they're so like, true. It's how many thousands? Like, are you sure? <laughs> but we can do it 2D. I'm like, that's more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> you realize we're going to have to organize a team of 18 people for this, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, we got budget somewhere. Yeah. Serious, serious games is means serious is what the conversation turns to when they're like, how much? Yeah. <laughs> but like that's another yeah. thing too like it's called serious so like yeah that makes it sound like games aren't fun like like mm. they can't be fun but like we can have serious games that are fun so it's kind of a mm. not a great title right no mm. Susie, games aren't fun they're art okay not <laughs> <laughs> here's like this is interesting because I, I got this i got this definition i got it from wikipedia okay it's from wikipedia but there's there's a couple of uh you know, sources here, okay. It might be biased, whatever it is, but this is this is what it had. And it's interesting you say about um, the, the name Serious Games because when it says it here, it says a serious game or applied game, that's another term that they use in this, um, is a game designed for a primary purpose other than pure entertainment. The serious adjective is generally propended to refer to video games used by industries like defense, Education, scientific exploration, healthcare, emergency management, city planning, engineering, and politics. Serious games are a subgenre of serious storytelling, where storytelling is applied outside the context of entertainment, where the narration progresses as a sequence of patterns, impressive in quality, and is part of a thoughtful process. The idea shares aspects with simulation generally, including flight simulation, medical simulation, but explicitly emphasizes the added pedag I can't say this word pedag pedagogical logical <laughs> value of fun and competition. Just, just think pet pet a dog, pet a dog, <laughs> pet a dog <laughs> So it says here like applied game. I like that term. I, I think that I like that term better. Applied game um, as as something. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, what, what does everyone think of that? kind of definition does that, does that, does that mean that? if you don't find a game fun then it becomes a serious game <laughs> <laughs> it's too serious for me no, well, <laughs> no it, in seriousness though i do i find it interesting because they talk about uh <laughs> yeah in seriousness uh they talk about flight simulation and i saw on one of these mm. lists they mentioned like microsoft flight simulator is one of the top like serious mm. games and mm. like i mean that's interesting i i, I thought people played it for fun Mm. I might be wrong there, or what's what's the difference? And it's weird is that line blur from like serious to simulation to gamification of something. Like mm. it's probably like it's just like a gray area of you know what it is, and I, we can, I we'll guess, go through it later. The, the kind of has, examples, like, but yeah. Sorry, Susie. Sorry. No, just that thing that you said before, John. That last thing. What was that last sentence you said? <laughs> I think that uh, what was I talking about? Microsoft Flight Simulator. I mean, I was just uh, going to talk yeah. about how like you can like you can either play the simple version where it's just you fly around and watch the plane fly, or you can go to the full extent of flicking all the switches, and then it's a full simulation of the full jet, I guess. Yeah, and you were saying like some people play it for fun and not like to yeah. learn. Mm. But I, I mean, I like think that's, when I like I think that's yeah. cool. Like I think that's that's okay. Like. Because the develop as long as the developer intended for some sort of serious, whatever applied, we're using that because that's better applied thing to come out of it, yeah. then it doesn't matter the intent that you're playing it for. If it's designed well, you'll also be learning that yeah. thing that they want you to. So, do serious so, games need to have? <clears throat> do they have to be about nonfiction? No, no, I would say if it's like fiction that. Sends a message that's like not entertainment, yeah, <laughs> and that's the serious game aspect of it. 
Because, I mean, you could be like, like so here, this, this will kind of help frame it as well. This is like a list of where serious games, where serious games used in like a couple of different um, areas. So some so the the list here is like a few areas that where we see serious games more than others more than in other areas are education. So games are used to teach specific subjects through exercises, simulations. Students can learn math, new language, for example. Um, this is one of the most well known applications of serious games, as well as as also known as educational games. Again, like all these terms are kind of like they kind of blur. I feel uh, healthcare. Games used in rehabilitation by translating exercises to actions in the game as well. Uh, another use in healthcare is to train medical procedures in a simulated environment. Uh, sustainability projects make people engaged for sustainability project or change their behavior towards sustainability. Um, training and consultancy. Uh, consultancy agencies using serious games to explain and train teamwork and social and logistic dynamics within businesses um what are some uh, and i kind of want to open up like what does everyone think about that kind of list and are there other areas where you've seen serious games applied well actually looking at your list uh there of some great serious games i just saw the assassin's creed discovery tour one which is essentially a history museum except in uh in this one assassin's creed origins it's in uh, Egypt and like key cities in Egypt at that point in history. Um, that I mean, I got really excited in the first episode we were talking about that, so I won't do it again. But but I mean, <laughs> that is probably the highest quality serious game I've ever played, and I personally genuinely found that more engaging than the actual Assassin's Creed Origins. And I think for me, it was yeah. just the sheer amount I was learning from it. So you th- would That's- would you kind of say it as an educational experience? Oh yeah, well and truly, it's uh. I mean, the 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 closest thing to compare it to is just a museum tour, except you explore at your own pace where you want, and I mean all the objects and like people that are being talked about are literally like standing around you. <laughs> um, so it's it's then got that added element of exploration, I think, mm-hmm. which it's kind of like in a museum tour, you've always got a tour guide and you're not really allowed to kind of go off on yourself unless unless you consider like the interactive kind of panels and stuff. You can kind of explore. But yeah, I would, I'd say like the Discovery Tour games, especially Origins and the, uh, I can't remember the name, the, the Greek one, those two Odyssey. were fantastic. Yeah, Odyssey, yep. Um, it's just that taken to like the extreme and it's fantastic. Um, and funnily enough, uh, for the Viking one, um, I personally found that they tried turning that educational experience into more of a narrative story-driven experience uh, and it actually ended up ruining it, <laughs> possibly because they didn't mm. execute it properly. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, it so didn't, didn't quite interesting work. Interesting when they tried to, to lean in more into the narrative aspect and like, I mean, from your yeah. opinion, it almost like backfired in a way. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, they were, from my understanding with the Viking one, they were still trying to do like historically accurate stuff, but I think they kind of wove fictional characters into it or or at least historical characters, but then they like dramatized. Uh, mm. But I don't know if it's just the execution of it, but it, it created a whole different experience. And it's, it's almost like at that point, you might as well just play Assassin's Creed because that's yeah exactly what you're doing. <laughs> and I mean, the other the other thing is, right, like the other example that I've put there in, in the list, because there's a couple of examples um, in this in this list that I've got here. One of them was, we've spoken about it previously, is like that Escape from Woomera, which is the, um, the kind of mm. protest game, or at least the game that... Um, is meant to kind of criticize the treatment of um, asylum seekers in Australia. And I guess, do, do you find from the, from the Assassin's Creed game, like at least with the, with the escape from Woomera game and a bunch of the other games, they almost like put you in the, in the main seat of like a protagonist or like, you know what I mean? Like you play as someone in a certain yeah. situation and then you kind of learn from that perspective. Did you find like that yeah. the Assassin's yeah. Creed was a bit different in that way? Well, actually, that's a good point. So, and I mean, without having played those, those still worked as serious games. So, you know, perhaps it was just for me the execution of the Viking one. Um, mm. But I personally preferred the more kind of museum tour. You're not a, 
protagonist kind of thing. Yeah. All right. How, how about you, other guys? Have you played any kind of serious games that have really kind of resonated with you? And what what genres um, as well, well that that sit outside those? Yeah. Well, I think like um like for me that I'm particularly interested in that social change stuff. Um, and like obviously I made Hannah, but like Hannah wasn't very engaging, and like. And, and Alex can attest to this because Alex like played the start and then he's like he lost engagement. So he's like a great example as to, to what happened. <laughs> outed, outed. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially like for me, like it's that balance thing. Like I got the balance wrong. Like I had too much serious and not enough fun, right? Like so like I think that the real key to, to these games is like having a design that communicates that thing that you want your player to learn or understand or experience and that level of engagement that comes from our traditional games and merging those two together, like it's going to make a successful serious game or applied game. So like that Assassin's Creed one, like you were saying, the stuff that you can do, like the interaction that you have kept you engaged enough to enjoy that experience of the, the learning. But I think if it, you were like, um, you know, if it was corridor walk, you'd have gone, oh, like this feels. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, not exactly. right. Yeah. I might as well read a book at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because that that almost, in my opinion, is the is the key factor. Is like, what's the point of doing a serious game if it doesn't engage you on a long term basis, or like even if it's a short term basis, because. That's the that's the kind of key uh, difference between like normal say uh, awareness or edu- even from an education perspective. Like you you have textbooks. If you want to kind of take the information from the textbooks and put them into like a different kind of you know game, like yeah. into a game that's experience, that entertainment. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Like that's the key. And that's kind of like thing that you want to. That's get just across. basically wrote, isn't it? That's like a quiz. Like that's not engaging. That's like yeah, that's right. No one wants to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. A few questions um, yeah. in a row, in a row that trying to help me with the definition of what a serious game is. So one, I guess we kind of said serious game doesn't have to be based in not in fiction, right? It doesn't have yeah, to be. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. So two, a serious game, does that have to have a fail state? As in like, well, no, um, like a serious game, can, can, a, can a serious game have a fail state? Which I would probably say, yes, it can have a fail state. And three, does a serious game need to educate? Not if the goal the f- isn't education. So then the yeah. final question, what stops what remains of Edith Finch being a serious game or Firewatch, uh, like any walking simulator game? Because like if you yeah, change what remains of Edith that, Finch to what really remains of Abraham Lincoln, how Lincoln. come that would be a serious game but this one isn't? Is it because the point of difference is Edith Finch isn't a real person? No, I think it's the point that like that game is made to entertain. Number one, it's not made for us. Yeah. Like, entertain. But are they all made to entertain? I think it's a developer thing. Yeah, like yeah. it's a developer intent. So, like Hannah, I call a serious game, right? But like, yeah. what remains of Edith Finch? Like, it does teach us a lot of stuff, right? Like, it does teach you about empathy, and it does teach you about having different people's perspectives and some of the the ways that the people lived like about mental illness and things like that. Right. Mm. But the primary goal that the developer says is to entertain. Right. But if they, if they said, you know, this game is a serious game about mental health, I'd pay that too. Right. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. So um, there's a, there's a game that actually I was going to talk about after this, but I think this is probably perfect time because I think it ties into all, all of this. Um, so there's a it's like a seven minute flash game called Dysphoria, spelled mm. D Y S four I A. Has anyone mm. here played it before? Yep, I've played yeah. it. Yep. Yeah, awesome. So um for those who haven't played it in audience, um I first played this back years ago, uh during a uni course actually. A lecturer got us to play a few games with interesting mechanics. And so this was on Newgrounds back when uh Flash was still around and stuff like that. Uh but basically right. what it is is the the author, uh, the creator, um, I think her name is Anna Anthropy. I was just looking up before, um, made this to talk about 
to share her experience of going through sex change and hormone replacement therapy. And uh, she stresses there that it's like her own experience. But um, you can you can actually watch the full playthrough of the game on YouTube. So just search Dysphoria there and it's worth taking a look. You still get the gist of it from watching it. Um, but think of like a pixel art WarioWare mini game. <laughs> I was just going to say WarioWare. Where every mini game is like a different part of that journey of kind of transitioning and then kind of going through hormone replacement therapy. And it expresses kind of the highs and the lows of it. Um, and I wanted to bring it up because this is one I played years ago. And for some reason, just it's so well executed. Just the, I, th- I think it was the kind of first piece of art or text or whatever you want to call it. Um, for me, that kind of made me feel like I had an insight into that process or what it's like to be in that position, even though I yeah. personally have never been there. Um so that's not a work of it's it's autobiographical so it's not fiction but it's not it's not explicit fact either it's more mini games that are trying to convey the feeling of being in these situations um and to be honest i think she just really pulls it off so um i would call that a serious game because while while it is i wouldn't even call it fun it's an engaging experience it's got great pixel art and like fitting music and the gameplay just is very easy and it kind of works but it's it, very obviously yeah. trying to bring you through that experience so it's like a yeah. yeah i'd definitely say it's a serious game like i think i think i have played it in the university course actually as well um and i think it was actually put to us as like here's a serious game um mm. and and i guess like comparing to what you said alex of like what makes these other games not serious games it's like those kind of things that come out of that game are like themes that are kind of underneath but if the like in the context of dysphoria it's like that game is made to tell an experience of or raise awareness of like a specific thing you know being uh you know transitioning and um and all that so this kind of the the gameplay and then the, and the experience is kind of secondary to try to tell that or get that point across or to share that experience um so that's yeah. the real thing is that in the pipeline <clears throat> um education is is the first step before entertainment telling like trying to get a yeah yeah i'd say that yeah is is before entertainment because mm, right. it, okay. it's almost it's almost like it's almost like i wonder if if one of these other games uh, th- that you mentioned that had like empathy and, you know, teaching empathy and all this kind of stuff, if if that was the core thing, it was like we're trying to educate you about being more, you know, empathetic to- towards uh, other people, then like that would be, I would say, I would, I mean, this is again my personal opinion, but I would classify that as a serious game versus, you know, the, the other way around. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's where the, for me, uh, like the, not confusion, but like to hang up on the definition is until that part of saying that the education comes first is that a lot of those walking simulators are trying to convey a single point or Mm. like, you know, a few points, but they're they're trying to educate um, with that. Yeah. Or I mean, or in other cases, like the other other cases, like it's it's actually being used as a tool. Like uh, another example here is, uh, which we've talked about again on on. Uh, cafe episode was that Endeavor RX, which was literally a tool that um, is uh, created to improve attention function um, for people that have, like for kids aged 8 to 12 that have um, ADHD. So that's like used as a tool. Um, another one that I thought was really cool, which I've come across before, is called Sea Hero Quest. And that was a game that was uh, done by a university, I think, that was sponsored by a, a big telecommunications company and they were looking at uh, dementia and they it, it's like this really cool like little game that they released for I think two years and then pulled it off the market because they got the research they literally put it out there to get <laughs> research from people um, yeah. and it and it collected like data about how your brain worked and like the decisions that you made and all this kind of stuff because it was like looking at I think spatial navigation like it was kind of like a I mean, look it up. Um, it's really cool. Uh, you basically had like a – you were a, a boat sailing through and you had a map and you had to navigate to certain areas and do certain things. Um, so it had like all these different things that would keep you coming back to it. 
And it says here that the data uh, that they collected would have normally taken 176 centuries to collect. And it was collected in a few months through this game because so many people played this game. They were able to get like all this information about people's brains that they would have never gotten. And it's like being being used to actually help with dementia research. So that was like a that's awesome. really cool, that's so uh, cool example. Yeah. And again, that's like I, a tool. That, yeah. That that actually just reminds me of a like slight tangent thing. Um, I was doing a sleep study once uh, where basically I wasn't allowed to sleep for 24 hours um, and they were doing like tests on me and I was there with one of my best mates. Um, and what they would do is like um, for the final 12 hours or whatever it was or 24 hours, you're basically in this room that's like consistent lighting, temperature controlled, no windows, nothing completely cut off from the outside world, no clocks. So you don't know what the time is. Um, and every, I think it was every hour they would do tests or you'd do tests. And part of it was like one of the tests was you kind of had this dome with all these buttons on it and the buttons would light up and you had to press the button like as soon as it lights up or as quick as possible. And so it's kind of testing your kind of reflexes as you get more tired, not not knowing how tired you are. And they had two of these in the room and they would test two of you at once. And uh, me and my mate would go in there and get tested at the same time. And I was talking to the researchers afterwards and apparently like they thought that we would get worse at it throughout the night, but we didn't. We ended up either consistent or got better. And what they theorized is because it became like a game to us and we were trying to compete with each other, it kind of like over overrid the tiredness. And so it's like the whole like serious game or the gamification of this ended up backfiring for the whole research aspect. Wow. <laughs> well, here's, here's That's just, so just, cool. to add, just to add to that, like I got a list here from, uh, from an article as well, um, the advantages of serious games and why they're important. And one of them is higher engagement and immersion. So- like mm. in the context of what, what you said is like you you treated that thing as a game so you were kind of like more immersed and like wanting to get into it um and it says yeah like again the the games are always they always motivate the player to keep on playing by using things like rewards story progression or other feedback systems um and another one was a safe space to experiment so there's another advantage so in the real world your actions have consequences and sometimes this can lead to damaged material or hurt feelings games can create a safe virtual environment where players can experiment to their heart's extent uh without having to worry about damage or anything else um and three is like positive emotions uh improve learning so studies have shown how student that students who use games to learn experience more positive emotions and this leads to uh, an improved learning experience when compared to traditional and video learning methods so yeah, are there any other advantages that anyone can think of? Like we spoke about um, how just engagement is so important with that. With your with what you were saying before about the um, dementia study with the game, mm-hmm. do you guys remember that? Uh, I had to look up what it was called, <clears throat> but there's a game that came out in uh, 2008 called Fold It. It was a game about protein folding, and <laughs> um, it's a free game. You can still play it now because they still use it. But um, so this is taken from Wikipedia. I figure if we're doing that, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so Fold It is an online puzzle video game about protein folding. It is part of an experimental research project developed by the University of Washington Center for Game Science in collaboration with yada, yada, yada. The objective of Fold It is to fold the structures of selected proteins as perfectly as possible using tools provided in the game. The highest scoring solutions are analyzed by researchers who determine whether or not there is a native structural configuration that can be applied to relevant proteins in the real world. Um, and then it says a 2010 paper in the science journal nature credited fold. It's 57,000 players r- with providing useful results that matched or outperformed algorithmically computed wow. solutions. That's crazy. That's very and I'm cool. pretty sure the game is, you can still play it now cause I still use it. Um, I'm pretty sure I've seen another whether, one. Whether, well. uh, be interesting to know whether like people playing still perform uh, com- computated solutions or whether computers have pulled out ahead now. <laughs> yeah, that's a long time ago, 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, Vince, were they playing with the NVIDIA graphics cards? Or- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. 
Hey, Susie, I was going to ask you with with Hannah, what was the kind of um, advantage of like for yourself uh, to put it in a in a video game format versus like another format? What was like kind of the thing that you were like hoping to convey with with that? Like, what advantage to the player or to the user? Yeah, well, there's like there's like a few different key things that like we've got when we use games like to design that we don't have with other mediums. And like the biggest one for me is like this, that thing called procedural rhetoric that I think I've talked about before. But essentially, like it's like you can have metaphor inside the mechanics of a game rather than just with the story. It's like if you're writing a novel, you've got the story, but if you're writing a game, you've got the mechanics and the the story. So like mm-hmm. with Hannah, there's like um, when, when people are experiencing domestic violence, they don't like, they quite often don't get listened to. So they might feel like they're not people, like even if they speak out, people don't really know how to respond. So the people experiencing the DV can feel like nobody's listening to them. So like with Hannah, like with the mechanics, what I wanted to do was like there's a part where, well, the player can't respond to Hannah until Hannah asks them a question. So it forces the player to listen to Hannah rather than, not and it's when she feels like you're listening to her through not responding and actually just listening but not saying platitudes or things that she doesn't want to hear that you actually learn the truth Mm. so like yeah wow you could only do that with that mechanic whereas like if you were writing a story you can say like she doesn't feel listened to she doesn't feel listened to but you can't stop the person responding or reading Mm. or engaging because but yeah, with the game, I could say, "Okay, Hannah's Hannah's blocked you. She's gone." Yeah, wow. So you create, you create <laughs> this out. kind of mechanic, and then that influences the behavior of the player. But then it's so then in turn, it educates them on how to kind of approach a situation. Yeah, yeah, because you've got that mechanic that, like, you're actually as a player in that you've yep. got that. How can you interact that you can play with yep. to to communicate different metaphors or try to that's a things. yeah that's a very important one it's kind of the you can almost set the rules up that um allow you to to yeah think in a certain way and and change behavior that's that's huge yeah and not, like not you- having played it myself i i think that that mechanic of like not letting the player respond or not letting the player do something sounds really powerful especially in that case like, because I, like I said, I haven't played it, so I don't know what Hannah would be saying at the time. But if she's sharing like DB experiences, and you're like, you can't respond, like that to me sounds like a pretty powerful player experience. Yeah, you literally can't respond in the whole game unless she asks you a question. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, and that's something you just can't get from like. Have, imagine if you had a video or a or a written thing like to try to explain that, like. You couldn't experience or feel as if you're in that situation and, you know, teach people uh, how to, uh, you know, approach that situation in a way that is, yeah, immersive. Yeah, because you don't have those rules, like. Mm. It's interesting because, like, that kind of thing touches both on, like, the serious game message, but it also touches on, I guess, narrative as well and just, like, it's a narrative device. And so, like. Like, I'm wondering whether, you know, when we make that distinction between serious games and I guess not serious games or whatever you want to call them, like whether it should actually be that binary distinction or whether it should be like this game has serious game elements or something like that. So, like, Alex, yeah. when you're talking about the walking simulators, especially like, um, was it Edith Finch? Mm. Um, that's that's the one that deals with uh, like suicide and stuff like that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so so like that game, I guess seems like it's entertainment, and it probably is. But I mean, it has very strong themes underneath it. So, like, I wouldn't discredit that serious game aspect of it. Mm. What do you think are some of the challenges of uh, serious games, or like both development and then uh, you know release, or just even like the like nailing the the kind of intended 
experience i even susie with with what with uh, hannah as well like what are some of the challenges you faced yeah well i think i did a lot wrong with hannah like i learned heaps but like it wasn't like the engagement to it like the engagement wasn't high enough that i don't think enough like the message came across enough because i don't think enough people would have engaged enough with it to be getting that so mm-hmm. i think like like engagement is super important like 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 because like when i design things like like yeah i'm a narrative designer foremost right but the 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 thing like the mechanic is the most important thing for me so like when i'm designing something like my favorite exercise is literally think of a concept or a topic and then try and think of a mechanic that suits that concept or topic or communicates that right Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's like, I don't know where I was going with this, but like engagement. <laughs> engagement mm. Sounds like you're in the right industry though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's the subject matter. Like it, it cause it's such a confronting subject matter. You kind of, it's, um, I don't even know how to word it, but it kind of, um, you kind of don't want to engage with it because it's so confronting. Yeah, that's it. You know? Yeah. Um, cause I remember that playing that, uh, um, I don't even know if I can say playing it, but like experiencing how to, let's say, and it's intense, you know, for that, for that reason. And there's no other way you could do it. So it kind of comes down to that subject, that subject matter. Cause for you two, it was, um, it was like text messages you would get and like, you would send notifications to your phone and, uh. you know, it would be like, you know, uh, she's like, I mean, I'm, I'm very badly going to paraphrase this, Susie. I'm sorry. You, as I say, you'll be able to remember it better. But, like, she'll be like, I'm going to go do this, you know, like, something's just happened. I'm going to go take care of it. And you're like, no, don't. And she's like, I'll be fine. I hear you hear from me in a few hours or something like that. And then you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, it's it's really confronting. Um, and it, does it, it seems like it would feel like you've actually got a friend kind of going through well, it. and if you've experienced and currently experiencing at that time it happening it's very you know like it's it's a really good pace and i think it does it thing perfectly of yeah, being well. scared to finish it you know like i think oh, there's oh wow okay, there's a thing in that yeah more of a simulation because <laughs> you know that's- it's a simulation going i like i want to jump out of this i don't want to see this through yeah okay. like have have you heard of many people doing that, Susie? Like bailing? Yeah. Yeah, but like I don't really, yeah, like maybe it's too too real, you know? Like, But like, and there's this thing like when I was making it where I thought of not like not telling the player what was going to happen, but like you need content warnings. You can't like yeah. put people in an unsafe situation. So it kind of does you, you kind of know what's going to happen, like, even though you don't. Does that make sense? So yeah. what's really interesting with that, though, is I think, like, maybe this is where the serious game category helps is that, like, if they if they jump out because it's too real, then that's – I don't think that's bad game design. That's, like, that's exactly yeah. what you're trying to do, which is create a realistic experience of having a friend that's going through this. So mm. it's then up but, to the yeah. player, if you call them that, to see it through or to not see it through, I guess. Yeah, it's a valid choice, I guess, like you're saying in the design. To oh, it's like um uh that that game with the Iraq war and you can choose to sh- stop shooting. <laughs> that game oh, I wow. talk about. What's it called? Oh, oh yeah, you you have mentioned it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when I'm blanking on the name. Let's have a look. Iraq. Is that something uh, with serious games, uh, I guess, versus other art games versus entertainment games is like uh, if you're making a commercial game, I guess you put a lot of like credence into what the audience or what the market wants or how they kind of like user experience, all that kind of thing. You want to make it as intuitive and all that uh, and you want it to be as marketable as possible. But I guess serious, serious games especially if something thematic like that, like Hannah, I guess, does that put more onus on the audience coming to the table and kind of like uh, actively putting in the effort to engage with the game then more than they would other games? Mm. 
Yeah, I guess so. Like, I think when you got a serious game, like, you, you have to, to engage with it, you probably have to want to learn about that topic or be exposed to that or experience that. But then if it's designed yeah. to be engaging as possible, maybe not. Mm. So, I guess it? it'd be like watching a documentary about like animal cruelty or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. Like the, you have the to other, want to actually watch it. Yeah. The other thing that I was going to add with how you mentioned, Susie, that people were kind of like, uh, well, just stopped playing maybe because it was kind of so realistic was maybe that's like, and we kind of said that's like, that's okay. Is it, and maybe with, with serious games, is it kind of like what, the the end goal is different to say let's say like a more commercially oriented game where it's like retain the player uh keep them coming back like you know what i mean like you want them to kind of enjoy the entire experience but yeah whereas with the with a serious game you're like i'm going to try get this point across and if succeeding in that means like you know they don't play the entire game like but they get that point across, well, like that's, that's, a, that's success. That's a good mm. point because they could walk away, go, I don't want to see the end, but then they still go, like they're actively thinking about yeah. that and like more yeah. aware of friends who might be going through a DB and stuff like that. Yeah, and understand it, maybe that, that level. It definitely had that effect on me. Like there isn't a day I don't think about that game and those like notifications and things like that. Like, no it, way, really. A hundred percent. That's, yeah, that's so I think, amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think yeah. Costa's right. I think it's a matter of how you measure success is yeah mm. is 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 important in that, and and that's like another step seems to be in the pipeline. So it's like educate first, and even before um, traditionally entertain, you know, or a- a- aesthetic, or you know, that goes under the entertainment or story or something like that. It's that education part first in the pipeline. Yeah, mm. like that. Oh, that game I was thinking of is Spec Ops: The Lion, right? And I think I've oh, talked yeah. about Spec Ops a lot because I, I love it, right? But like the mm. concept of it. But like what that did is that was definitely entertainment first, right? Mm. But because it was like here's a first person shooter, the the like the poster was like a normal FPS, like the cover was a normal FPS. You went in, it showed you how to shoot, blah blah blah. You went off into the desert and you started doing what you were told by your commander and carrying out tasks, but then like it kind of started unraveling mm. and you start getting like weird little, the loading screens say weird things and you get like weird little like notifications and like weird stuff starts happening. You get like vision things. And like what happens is it's like a PTSD spiral. Like it's like a descent. Mm. And then like yeah. it, it keeps like, like throwing it at you. And then it says like at the end, like, you could have just stopped playing. Like it actually tells you the player. Like, oh, well. yeah, <laughs> like it doesn't real meta <laughs> when it gets yeah, yes. meta. It's meta. It, yeah, so it's incredibly meta. <laughs> I, I was would, like, even the one thing that comes to my mind. I don't. It's probably not in the same way because it's probably not trying to get a point across. Was um the the uh, Modern Warfare Two uh, airport massacre. Oh, no, yeah. In in that game, I can't remember, but is it that you have an option to shoot or not? No, you, they'll get shot. I no just what. they all. They, but yeah, they, you can't. You don't have to shoot yourself, right? Yeah, you don't have yeah. to do anything. It's the right. same outcome. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But that that could almost convey like a you know choice of or at least some some set of choice doesn't doesn't influence the outcome, but like you as a player. If you don't, yeah, like that stuff we were talking about last week. It changes who yeah. you are, right? You are. That's like it right. might not change the game, yeah. it changes you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You're like, do I shoot these innocent people or not? You know. Mm. Are there games yeah. where you've were presented with a choice and you've never not done that? Oh, uh, actually, that brings to mind GTA Five, where one of the missions <laughs> is to torture someone, and they don't let you skip it. I absolutely hated that. <laughs> That was Whoa. that was terrible. I I kept trying to pick like the least torturous options <laughs> just to kind of get through that mission as fast as possible. That's but, really interesting. Yeah. But <laughs> see, I would call that mission really bad game design then because it's like it actively forced me to. Well, okay, no, maybe not even bad game design. Maybe it was good game design because it forced me to confront <laughs> doing mm. these torturous things uh, that the Trevor character would do. 
and kind of show his true brutality. But at the same time, it's like that game is meant to be entertainment first and foremost. So I didn't sit. So int- I didn't sit down to try yeah. and experience what it's like to torture people. So, so this yeah. is interesting because it's kind of like the serious themes in a more in like where it's where it's entertainment first um, versus the other way. That's what it seems like these yeah. these kind of situations are. Yeah, and I mean that can work. Like one game that comes to mind is uh, Celeste which is an entertainment game but deals very heavily with like anxiety and a few other themes and like pulls that off very well. So that that probably straddles somewhere in the middle, but that's that's different though. <laughs> it doesn't mm. it doesn't force you to do something that like you're uncomfortable with to then get to the next section of the game that you want to play. Mm. Which is then different again to Hannah, which is like you're playing that for for that reason of engaging with that experience that's like like um like papers please or something right like you you have a situation you make a choice and then you see the outcome of that choice but like then you can like try again and do a different outcome or like you're Mm. you're you're adapting who you are or like learning as you learn about that world and that environment but like with the trevor thing you're like you're forced to be that person you're forced to go Mm. in that situation yeah you can't, other, you can't change that, yeah. The other question I kind of had was, do you th- would you classify games like Pokemon Go as serious games? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, guess, yeah. Like, why? I think, yeah. What, what makes it serious? We got ourselves an old-fashioned debate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> Hold my drink. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I mean, technically we'd probably have to ask them, like, near to what their, their deal was, right? But I reckon their brief <laughs> they probably be like, was... It depends. Is there an award writing on it? <laughs> <laughs> I reckon they'll say that their design brief was about physical movement. Hmm. Oh, okay. Like, we fit, right? Like, even, like, we fit or, you know, those games, are they... Yeah. Was that where it gets into gamification territory, mm. like you're talking about before, yeah. Susie? Yeah, it's a tough call, isn't it? Like, where is it a game and where is it a gamification? I think mm. that that is a game because it's its own sole thing, right? But if, like, say, you were in a walking group and then your walking group leader was like, oh, let's let's throw this ball at this rock and then I'm going to say that you caught a Pokemon, <laughs> like, yeah. then that would be gamification, right? Because... <laughs> But if it's it's actually a physical game, I don't know. What do you think? It's an interesting one. I just typed this thing into, and this article came up. I don't know if you saw it, Costa, and that's what no, you're I referring to. I haven't, I haven't seen just it. from binaryhealthcare.com, <clears throat> and they say basically, serious game, a serious game or applied game is a game designed for a primary purpose other than pure entertainment. The serious adjective generally oh, refers to yeah. products used by industries like defense, education, like you were saying before. That's the one. I, yeah. And then they said, while Pokemon Go was not designed to be a serious game for health, it is, as mentioned earlier, designed to be interactive and engaging, hence the mental health benefits. And it also requires the player to physically move about, hence the physical health benefits. Mm. In other words, the gamification component coupled with the inherent game design, needing the players to move about physically, unwittingly created a byproduct of health. Mm. Byproduct, yeah. I mean, if the core game mechanic is to be physically active, right, then Mm. like that's, that's definitely... That's yeah, until COVID messed I, it up. I feel like a lot of the games we've talked about so far, it's like you play through it once and then you have that takeaway from that single playthrough. Whereas games like uh, Pokemon Go, it's just the continual playing of it that gives you the benefit. So yeah, replay. What, yeah, that's a good. So when it when COVID kicked in and they got rid of the ability to travel in that game, like they said, you don't have to walk around. Mm. Did that at that point then? stop becoming a serious game and become a game? Oh, you could yeah, argue. I reckon, yeah. I mean, depending, <laughs> you, you did, could argue you that the fact that they did that makes it a serious game because then they're saying you shouldn't go out in trouble and they've got the message of not going out in mm, trouble. I mean, I'm not saying that's the truth. I'm just saying you could take that angle. <laughs> mm, I mean, I, I would say, I, like... I'd say the shorter experience games, like it's just it's just using narrative as a way of um, conveying progression versus like this is using a mechanic and you know the collection as 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 progression. I think it's just I think it's the same thing. It's just uh, using two different types of 
you know progression ways to progress the 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 game the the game itself um so yeah uh, yeah but it is tough whether it like is gamification or you know uh, that, yeah, or a simulation it, or a serious yeah. game. Yeah, because even now that the, there's that new one that got announced, the the Pikmin game, which is literally you walking, and then I think you accumulate uh, points or something the more you walk, and then you can kind of uh, again I don't know what the mechanics are, but there was a um, there was a uh, a, a trailer that for is. it. My sister's been sending my family chat like screenshots of just Pikmin all over her phone screen, and I had no idea what was going <laughs> on. <laughs> Thank you for enlightening me. <laughs> but yeah, it's like there's there's a bunch of them, and and I, it's it's interesting. Like those health games, they they aren't like classified always as as serious games, but um, they definitely like play a part in that. Like Ring Fit as well. They're all kind of applied games in a way. So really, serious games is just like the date for Easter. We all kind of know when it is, but it changes like every year. So, like, there's no point putting a date to what Easter yeah. is. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I thought I'd kind of ask, or the kind of question that I have to to kind of wrap this is, uh, where do you think it can go in the future? And, and like, does anyone want it to go some like to some place in the future, like serious games? Ooh. That's interesting. I, I would like to see it be like a tag on like Steam genres. I'd like to see mm. it as like a genre of game rather than this is either a serious game or not a serious game. Yeah, uh, like or, it can be or or all can... sorts of things and a serious game. Yeah, mm. or you can come up with something else. Though the, the trick with that as well is like you're essentially saying my game is meaningful. <laughs> As opposed to every other game, <laughs> so it's like I, I don't I don't have the descriptor myself, but I I hope that there's a way that we can kind of convey well, that. So then you like can they need search to be... on game platforms for serious games. They're going to be like classified, yeah. right? People just can't tag yeah. it because it's, it's an interesting like, genre. There's this really interesting concept that like I'm only just starting to learn about, so I'm I might not completely get it right. But like um I've been reading this thing um there's this concept of like gaming for feminists right and what it is is this idea that like women's leisure so like fun stuff for women in the past has traditionally been productive leisure so like what it means is like women weren't allowed to like just do something like in victorian times when they like were relaxing they still had to like sew something or like make something that had an Mm. end goal whereas like that wasn't the case like for men um, so there's this concept now that like just playing a game for purely playing a game is like a rebellion because it's mm-hmm. like doing something that like doesn't have a productive element to it. But then mm-hmm. serious games totally do. <laughs> so yeah, like yeah. <laughs> is yeah. that like no longer <laughs> feminist play or is it like, you know, like short circuiting and the best of both worlds? I don't know. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just something to yeah. think about. <laughs> That's interesting, and and not to diminish the feminist part of it at all, but I kind of do that myself just because of my personality. Like I struggle to play a game if I feel like I'm not getting anything out of it apart from pure yeah. entertainment. So Same. serious games are a great that way was my to like short circuit. <laughs> my parents be like, "What are you playing that video game for? You'll never do anything with your life." <laughs> I thought you looked familiar. Are you my sister? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's really interesting yeah. that it's not just like that that feminist concept that uh, like you feel that too and it's yeah how about how about you guys are you do you find it easy enough just to switch off and play a game or Mm-mm. no <laughs> depends on the mood i have a playstation mood, I 5 that i i have touched i think i've even accumulated like i don't know two hours in the like six months i've owned it and my housemate has finished all of stray and is now onto some other game <laughs> i just can't bring myself to turn that on um yeah right yeah wow. that's my own hang up though that's my own problem yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. maybe if you think of it. it yeah think about it as like it's productive time you're making and see if that changes your perspective on it <laughs> oh, actually yeah here's one one of you guys was saying that you like playing pc building simulator who was that <laughs> yeah, was that all of you? 
Yeah. Would you call that a serious game? Maybe. Mm. That's that's a really interesting one because my son, he was he was cranking that out and he was like talking to me about how much thermal paste you should use. And like yeah. I wouldn't expect an eleven year old to be on that. So <laughs> I I would consider it because like a lot of people, if they don't know how to build a computer, they either watch like they usually watch a YouTube video or someone else shows them or they learn like, I don't know, books. I don't really know if anyone can find a book that says that, but it's always some other medium. And like if you're learning how to build a PC through P- PC building simulator, I would, I, that's educational. That's, a, I'd mm. call that a serious game. Yeah. And it's very like tangible, like put the, put the heat paste, put this much heat paste on the CPU before you put the fan on. Like that's that's like really crucial. So I, I'm going to divert. You, you, I've unraveled can your you brain, ask your Alex. son? Yeah. Can you ask your son? Um, why do they give you so much thermal paste? Because the I didn't know how to build the computer. And the first time I did it, I was like, well, they give you all this thermal paste. Yeah. I'm not going to reapply it. Now, hang on. I have a point here, Costa. Wait, wait. Are we talking about real life here or in game? We're talking about real life. We're talking about real, real life. life. So, I ruined my motherboard because I- No, not my oh. motherboard. My CPU. Because I used all the thermal paste. And the guy at the uh, um, at MSY yelled at me. And I'm like, then why did they give me that much? Right? So, I looked this up. I looked this up because someone was like, oh, you're meant to replace the thermal paste. Okay. It says you replace the thermal paste every two to three years. Now, what is the shelf life of thermal paste? Uh, two to three years. So oh, you're yes, doomed yes. from the start. They give you That's too much. So yeah, but you could, also use, you could also use heat paste. Like you might screw it up and then you wipe it off and then reuse it. Or you can also use heat paste on like graphics card. You could you could undo. A lot yes. of people undo their graphics card heat sink yeah. and then yeah. apply but, paste on but that. But you get, you get a tube of thermal paste with the CPU. With the CPU. Like, yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. They're assuming yeah, you're going to mess it up why, like why? 10 times. You're getting more than what you want, Alex. You shouldn't be complaining about <laughs> no, it. No, no, I shouldn't be complaining about it. I should be complaining about it. Maybe you're supposed to like go around and like reseed everyone or your mate's CPUs for them. <laughs> Every time, no, but but that's not sustainable though, because every time someone buys a new CPU, they get like ten CPUs worth of thermal paste, and I'm assuming it's not biodegradable. Yeah, and I and sure as hell I ain't putting that on my toothbrush. How <laughs> how are you gonna mess up putting on thermal paste that doesn't result in you damaging the thing? What because in what, you in what do universe it in does ways. putting more thermal paste on help? No, I'm See, saying people so, like know, people do it in different ways. They do it like in the middle. They do it on the corners. It like people have different, yeah, you know, configurations of heat paste. How is adding more thermal paste after that? I'm saying you help? might screw it up, and then you got to wipe it off, and then redo it. I- I've done that before. Yeah, but like, did you use the whole face tube doing quite perfect. <laughs> What was that? Sorry, John. Did Did you use the whole tube? Uh, applying your thermal paste, even I, I, I used more than what it would have been if I was given only <laughs> one uh, round. <laughs> I don't no. know, man. I reckon Alex has stumbled upon a global conspiracy here. Thank you. Thank you. PC building simulators I don't understand like why this is a conspiracy. Solely designed wait, 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 wait. to combat this issue. But that's, that's <laughs> the core mechanic. That's why they made yeah. it. They're like, we got to teach people how much thermal paste they really need. Yeah. <laughs> Big thermal paste is onto us. Someone at MSY yell at you. Yeah. <laughs> someone at MSY okay. is always yelling at you. That's <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've just Googled thermal paste conspiracy. Nothing yet, but okay. but I'll oh, come back yeah. with answers <laughs> yeah. on the next episode of Cafe Rules. <laughs> so the, the uh, go register the domain. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been yelled at by this man? <laughs> so the, what's, actually, what's the- funnily enough, I, I got yelled at at MSY as well. Oh, that's yeah. a standard. Me that's too. A standard. <laughs> yeah, a- oh, really? There you go. Is this just the same guy, or is this just like a standard service? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> this is my story was because I, I could kind of understand, but like me and one of my mates were in there looking at that folder of PC cases because I was going to like buy a new PC case and we're getting really excited. And uh, my mate's pretty loud. And the guy there yelled at us because he was trying to serve a customer and he's like, I can't hear the customer. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. And I'm like, fine, we'll go buy PC cases elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and then you found the cheapest prices at MSY, so you had to go back there. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> End up ordering one online. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I was so like, we'll can see... I look at these two options? And they were like, yeah. we don't bring stuff out. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <that's>... Wow. <laughs> or even when you ask them about a suggestion and they're like, we can't suggest anything. Yeah. I can't give we any suggestions. opinions. Yeah, like no opinions. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously we're sponsored by MSY on this yeah, show. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast so, contains information about MSY. Yeah. <laughs> Audience uh, poll for the episode. Have you been yelled at by MSY? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if so, what for? <laughs> and as That's- a bonus question, what's your favourite serious game? Yeah. And what did you like? What did you take from it? Like, what did it do? Mm, like, mm, yeah. what, how did it impact your life? Like, did you learn something? Did you change something? Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. Cool. Mm. All right. Thank you, everyone. Hope you enjoyed exploring this topic. I did. Cue the music, John. All right, I will cue it right (laughs) now. See you guys. See ya. Bullions is hosted in Adelaide, South Australia. If you know of anything happening or would like to reach out to us or have a chat, you can find us on Twitter at LiveBullions or by emailing us at hello at LiveBullions.com.